Welcome to episode 14 of Monstrology. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Will King, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, Madrin McCabe. On a howdy. scale, howdy! <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how spooky was your day so far? It was not spooky at all, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 Well, I did watch the latest episode of Moon Knight, so that had that was Ooh. had a lot of spooky elements to it. Uh-huh. But other than that, I spent the whole day staring at Zoom, so mm-hmm. it was zero spookies. <laughs> There's something existentially spooky about that, but not in a uh, fun, monstery way. It was like soul-suckingly spooky, and then Mm. I was sitting in the same spot for 10 hours and staring at a computer, but like it wasn't entertainingly spooky Mm. like uh, this podcast. Well, we'll we'll, uh, be able to fix that real quick um, (laughs) with uh, digging into today's monster. I have a question for you in in regards to today's monster. Another question, not a spooky No, that was more just a how are you. (laughs) This is like a a, uh, thematically appropriate question. So without saying today's uh, monster, if today's monster was an instrument, what instrument would it be? I've got my answer and I'm curious what you would say. I think it's, <laughs> I think as soon as I say what I'm thinking, everyone's going to know what our monster is. Well, well, well then I'll, I'll tell them afterwards. <laughs> All right. If our monster was an instrument, because our monster has been used as an instrument several times in pop culture, it would be a xylophone. Mm-hmm. I was going to say marimba, uh, but the same, same vibe. Um, well, that hopefully just gives it away to all of you monster fans out there. I'm about to tell you in great detail after the theme song, what it's about. Today's monster is skeletons. Okay, welcome back to Monstrology. Um, Today's monster, of course, is skeletons. And skeletons are a part of our body, uh, but they're also a spooky monster. Like, I would put this in the classic Halloween monster category. Totes. um, Look, I love them. We can't do them uh, every episode, uh, but they're a little bit special because there's so much to dig into uh, when we get into those monsters. Indeed. Um, I think... Just getting into a generic description of, of skeletons here. They are dead creatures that can be reanimated bones um, after a creature's death. You can use necromantic magic, uh, or sometimes they're possessed by souls of the deceased. Um, the reason of their re- like reanimation can be kind of varied. Um, but in many stories, the skeletons will terrorize the living and uh, actively seek harm uh, towards them. There are some things that are kind of like a skeleton, but are not a skeleton. So- Oh, do tell. For example, if a skeleton has flesh, 
that's not a skeleton. It's probably a zombie. <laughs> we're just like a human. I mean, well, by that definition, be, we're all skeletons walking around be, with flesh. It have to be dead. It has to be a dead creature. A dead creature oh. with flesh is a zombie. And there's also, uh, if your uh, skeleton is necromancy wielding, like if it has its own sorcerer powers, that's a, a leech. That's not our, our lich. Leech, one of those. It is a, I would say, not specifically a skeleton. Skeletons are not uh, that powerful. They're often manifested by uh, necromancers, but they're not necromancers. That actually, <laughs> the way you said when I was doing my research, I was reminded of a, a scene from a classic horror movie that... <laughs> And we will get into it when we talk about the pop culture. But your yes, your phrase of of skeletons are not actually that powerful is the crux of this scene, and it makes me laugh every time. Mm. <laughs> anyway, okay, um, yeah. So I just wanted to, to to narrow that playing field just a little bit. Um, I would say that generally in my research, and I would say in my own specific culture, um, skeletons are generally a manifestation of death. But there is um, in uh, Mexico, Day of the Dead, which is mm -hmm. a major celebration where skulls and skeletons symbolize life and um, kind of circumstances of levity. So it is interesting that they represent both things in kind of a dual way. Most of my research for today will be about skeletons as a malevolent force of evil, but hey, it, it also could be a good time. <laughs> yeah, in uh, I, I was also reading about how skeletons have become so prominent in Mexican culture. Uh, and I was reading about the, uh, there's a, a zinc etching by a Mexican printmaker and lithographer named Jose Guadalupe Posada. Mm. And the etching is called La Calavera Catrina which means, and I love this, dapper skeleton. Oh, that's <laughs> because, so and, and his etching of La Catrina is that, that personification of that Mexican skull or skeleton that we've all known to come in love where it's almost jovial. And it mm -hmm. often, uh, the, his particular print has, she's wearing this big elaborate hat with these big feathers and flowers coming out of it. And so that's where, um, the Mexican people have adopted this very lively, colorful love of, of skeletons and how it's become such a prominent part of their culture. Mm -hmm. And really just like skull art is its whole uh, thing that's kind of swept all over the world, but especially- Yeah, and I guess um, Diego Rivera was also quite instrumental in promoting that popularity of uh, La Catrina as well too, so. I was it's very, you know, to, it's all very tied to Mexican culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, skeletons have been around for a long time, but you know how I always am trying to pin it like to the earliest place that I can find. And in this case, the earliest that I could find was in the Bible. So uh, we're not an especially religious podcast, but in, a, in the sake of, of like the, the origin and the story, there is kind of like a section where they're talking about... Um, Ezekiel and he was teleported let's just say uh religiously into well, it's a vision it's a vision <laughs> it's a vision but it's kind of described as as he is like um I have the actual quote he says the the, the spirit of the lord sent me in the middle of a valley it was full of bones he led me back and forth among them I, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley bones that were very dry and 
uh, in this kind of circumstance, it's um, Ezekiel was supposed to tell the bones that God would make breath enter the bones and they would come to life just as the creation of man when he breathed life into Adam. And there's all this kind of like, they symbolize death in the antithesis of what he was able to create. So they literally became a symbol of death uh, in the Bible, which is where I think the earliest place that I could find that um, in that way. Yeah. And, and I think too, that, that, that particular passage is what has so strongly influenced us in our Western culture of, you know, we see over and over and over again in pop culture and, and in these, you know, horrible scenes that we've created is you, you see, a skeleton just lying there and you think oh well that is unfortunate that that person died but that is just a skeleton and as you pass by it then it becomes reanimated mm. and comes up and starts you know maybe it's reaching towards you it's coming at you because um yeah in what i was reading about that passage in the book of ezekiel is that um all of a sudden like so he's standing out there in this valley full of dry human bones and he's supposed to be carrying a prophecy but then all of a sudden the bones reconnect themselves back into human people and then um the the bones reveal to the prophet that they are the people of israel in exile mm -hmm. and that he, he's supposed to be carrying another prophecy in order to revitalize them and resurrect them and so i think that that's really where that image in our western culture has been ingrained of all of these skeletons just rising up mm -hmm. and reanimating themselves yeah, it, in some of my research around that, they, it's um, is it like unburied skeletons, the people were in a state of living death, pining away with no end to their judgment in sight. Like it's a, it's about the quality of your life as well, which is kind of mm -hmm. like walking through life like a zombie or like a skeleton. Yes, um, and that is quite interesting when I was reading as well too, in uh, Japanese culture, I was reading about the Gyasha Dokuro, mm -hmm. I love which this I thought was so cool. It, they are the spirits or are there spirits that take the form of giant skeletons? And I thought this was very specific. They are 15 times larger than the average person, <laughs> at least according to what I was reading. And they're created from the ghosts of the people who died in battle and weren't buried. And their desire for vengeance builds and builds and builds until there's so much angry energy that all of these different people's bones come together and form together to make this giant skeleton that then roams around the, the world, uh, grabbing lone travelers and biting off their heads. And you can yeah. hear it because of the rattling of its teeth. Uh, and then also I was reading, they have the powers of invisibility and indestructibility because it's composed of the bones of people who are already dead. Mm. Uh, and the, Unless you have a, I think it's a Shinto ward can help to um, ward it off. Otherwise, the Gasha Dokuro will keep hunting people until all of that pent up anger is finally released. And then the bones just crumple and collapse wherever they are standing. So I just thought it was this really cool image of this giant angry skeleton monster thing. I've got another one, but it's a, a, a related anecdote. I think a couple of years ago on Halloween, uh, Canadian Tire was selling 20 foot tall skeleton men. And I was what, really, really close to buying one. Like it was like one of those things where you're like, sure, you know, it's too much to spend on a skeleton man, but it was like, for $200, I could have a 20 foot tall skeleton man and I could just put it out 
at all times. Now I, I don't, I have a balcony and not a yard. So I'm, say, I'm really glad you right didn't decision. buy it because you live in a 500 square foot apartment. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just a little bit bigger than that. Uh, but uh, I don't have a lawn to put this giant skeleton man on and I don't think it would fit in storage. It could come to my house. Oh yeah, maybe I'd send, maybe I'd send it just like traveling around to my friend's houses and be like, can oh, you imagine I dropping him off for the weekend? I just wake up one day and all of a sudden there's this 20 foot tall skeleton on my front lawn. I'm like, I just, oh God. I just love it. Anyways, there's something about the size of the Yasha Takuro <laughs> that reminded me of this giant skeleton that you could buy. Um, there's a couple other specific um, kind of skeleton monsters uh, that I found as well. Imagine maybe you have them uh, as well. But there was the Coco Lemai Lias from the Modoc people who originally lived near Oregon, but I think there's not many of them left, about 500 in, in, uh, split between there and California. And they have the myth of the Bone Man, who is a giant skeleton who destroyed a village, drank of the river, and left the earth barren, then went to sleep for a time. Eventually, after reawakening, he is destroyed by Nolwi, the boy who inadvertently revived him, and the rain re returns, allowing the people to return as well. I think that's a really beautiful story. Um, and there's another called the Pakak from Cree mythology. Did you hear about that one, Madrin? Mm -mm. It's similar to the Gashutakuro, um, but they are the animate bones of people who died from starvation. And they have a chilling cackle, but sometimes they help people with healing uh, or hunting. They have, uh, I guess, they assist you in those tasks. I love seeing mm -hmm. the, like these kind of skeletons and different kind of um, storytelling. That's, that's interesting that these are helpful skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> that they yeah. will help you hunt and- Well, because I guess our, our archetypal skeletons are malevolent. Um, yeah. And I think actually this is a good segue uh, into something else I've got to talk. We can always circle back if you've got another culture, but um, part of the reason as many of these monsters have become so popular is Dungeons and Dragons. And mm -hmm. in Dungeons and Dragons, um, they're as established as the slaves of necromancers. And so they're inherently like evil and malevolent. Like they just do the bidding without questioning what it is. Um, sometimes they'll even be double duty monsters. Like you could get a skeleton dragon or a skeleton elephant. Um, and one thing- Oh, that say that three times fast. Skeleton, elephant, skeleton, elephant. I can't do it. Skeleton, elephant, skeleton, skeleton elephant, skeleton, 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 elephant. Skeleton, skeleton. Oh, skeleton? I almost did it. Skeleton. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be good. I'd like skeletons. Um, yeah, I've got my monster manual here, and it's uh, specifically it says skeletons are the animated bones of dead, mindless automatons that obey the orders of the evil masters. Um, they're just in rotten remnants of clothing. And yeah, I mean, really the big thing is they're given simple tasks. So they, they don't think about what they're supposed to do. They just do it. So if they said kill anyone in this chamber, they wouldn't think about who was there or use any critical thinking. It would just be tasks that are done until they're finished. Um, and I, I found a, another question on, online that just amused me. And this is going to play into pop culture later, but like skeletons often attack by throwing bones. But like, where do the extra bones come from? <laughs> Are they their own bones? Are they other skeletons' bones? Is there one skeleton that's just cool with being like the utility bones that are thrown for the day? Like, it feels like it's a core uh, 
method of attack is is hucking bones as a skeleton and i just wonder where they come from <laughs> that's like that's like the highlander question like you're just walking around in the middle of paris or whatever and then you feel another highlander around or what do you call them um um oh god it's oh Anyway, you feel like you feel another immortal around you. And all of a sudden you pit, you could like, you pull out your absolutely gigantic broadsword. It's like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. yeah, it's speaking of uh, broadswords, uh, it's another segue into powers. So um, there's not a ton of powers for these because I wouldn't describe them as being particularly powerful monsters. Um, Although maybe there's some sort of super strong one if they're really big, um, but they're uh, they have combat weapon proficiency because of like medieval combat. I feel like they're often seen with swords, spears, maces, like crossbows, these type of things that maybe they wield when they were uh, wielded when they were alive. And um, voluntary dismemberment is listed as their powers in many places because well, sure. i mean that would be a good that would be a good power right it's yeah. like oh if somebody's gonna hit you you can just be like nope and then crumple yeah and they can reassemble yeah but i think that it also has to be a weakness like if you lose your femur like you no longer mm. have that and you can't reassemble properly like if you lost sure i don't know just like part of your collarbone imagine like how, it or like yeah you know like I mean? if you lost a bit of a foot and then you're just yeah. kind of like dragging around your stumpy ankle exactly you're like, like oh you, man i wish i hadn't crumpled and if lost you, my foot if then you lose a bone in your neck you could just be like the headless horseman for the rest mm. of your existence you have to carry it around in your arms and that's i i um, certainly i cannot think of any particular reference up at the top of my head right now but i'm sh i'm sh quite sure i have seen that happen to skeletons mm. oh. in, in movies or TV or whatever, where like 100%. they crumple or, or, you know, somebody even hits them with a sword and they're like, ha ha, I can reanimate myself. And then they oh, come yeah. back and they're like, oh, but a whole chunk of me is missing. And like, mm. there, therein lies the comedy. It's part of the bit. It's yeah. Um, anyway, that's what I've got on the history of skeletons. Uh, anything you'd like to add, Venture, before we go to a break? Uh, no, I believe we have covered all of the fun things I found out. Wonderful. Perfect. We will see you soon. Today for pop culture, I was thinking that we could start things a little bit differently. Um, we usually go for movies and I was thinking we could start with literature. Ooh. which I have to offer you a fairy tale by the Brothers Grimm called The Boy Who Wanted the Willies. Um, uh, the Boy Who Wanted the Willies? Yep, it's that's the name of the fairy tale. Man, those and, Brothers Grimm, they were weird. In which a boy named Hans joins a circle of dancing skeletons. Of course. And now art. <laughs> 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 I thought you would, uh, thought everyone could enjoy that uh, fairy tale. Um, there is a really famous uh, oil painting called The Triumph of Death by Peter, or maybe Peter uh, Bruegel, the elder, painted in 1562. And the painting shows a panorama of an army of skeletons wreaking havoc across 
um, blackened, uh, desert, uh, desolate landscape. There's fire burning. There's skeletons. They've got like um, kind of like a horse and buggy full of like bodies. Like it's very dark um, and I guess kind of macabre. There's painting um, and uh, this, there's a sea in the background. It's littered with shipwrecks. And it is the earliest painting that I can find where you see skeletons in the way that we've, it, well, in one of the ways, but the primary way that we're describing as like these malevolent forces is almost like an army of uh, skeletons. And it seems like, I, I think of that as being a modern thing, but it's definitely not, <laughs> you know, it has a long history. And um, that was the, my favorite uh, piece of art that I could find. Um, anything else visual that you want to share, Adrian? I know we were talking about earlier the Yes, I say I, I realize now that I suppose talking about uh, Mexican art in the culture in the the history part was really more pop culture. So whoops. well, <laughs> we've had this debate before where it's like, is it is it pop culture if it's from like four hundred yeah, years ago? Right? So I, I wasn't quite sure, but um, I like to kind of save it close enough. Um, all right, let's just let's just talk about a bunch of movies because really. Yeah. It, there are a, that's where so, skeletons shine there are so many movies and there's a couple that i watched for the first time that i don't know why it took me so long um i know madrin has one movie in particular that she wants to talk about i don't think either one of these will be it but uh if it is uh i'm sure she will just interject and take over um <laughs> the uh and you are welcome to the the first movie that um not that i thought of but that i watched in research of this because i realized i hadn't seen it was uh captain america like the first captain america oh really I've seen, really yeah i've what? seen almost all of the mcu films but i just like when it came out it seemed and it it still kind of is just like really strong u.s war propaganda like sure captain captain america himself stands for you know not the things that make the military bad but i'm not like a lot of the mcu and even with captain marvel is like very like entrenched with the military and so it costs is like especially captain america is very like uncle sam and i was just like i don't i don't want to watch that um but i did watch it and it was entertaining as the mcu movies are the cast is really good um and i watched it for red skull because i wanted to see um superheroes that were were based off um, skeletons. Obviously, um, uh, there's a couple uh, skeleton um, superheroes like Knight Rider, which I also don't think is the <laughs> movie that Madrin is dying to tell us about. It's not, um, no. But th those are kind of the two most iconic skeleton superheroes. Um, Red Skull is No, a... no, not Knight Rider, Ghost Rider. Sorry, yes. Knight Rider, Ghost Rider. is David Hasselhoff. Knight Rider is something, <laughs> Knight Rider is something else. <laughs> No, Ghost no, you Rider. Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage. Um, Do not watch the Nicolas Cage one. Watch the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one. Yes. And, and while you're at it, just watch Captain America instead. Also Captain America. Well, yeah. Um, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did Ghost Rider better justice than Nick Cage did. Fair. I like the, it's, um, I believe, Hugo Weaving underneath that giant uh, red face. You see him earlier on, and I was like, oh, I didn't know you were in this movie. And then I was like, oh, you are now a... Uh, crazy man who had his face didn't you he, see endgame he's the experiment i know i did see endgame but i knew so i know who red skull is but i didn't know that it was hugo weaving because he's set um, up as a, as an individual like he's 
Well, it's interesting in the way that they've done it because they kind of buried the lead. So spoiler alert to anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but it's been a while. <laughs> anybody who hasn't seen this 15 year old, um, well, I guess it's not 15, 10 year old movie. But it's, it's, it, it's like he was one of the early experiments of the super serum. So his face went red to this kind of horrifying skeleton. The huge, yeah. he has a, a, a kind of latex style fake human face on, which obviously he doesn't, but they do a cutscene where they throw it into the fire to justify it, where it's just Hugo Weaving's face for the first hour as this kind of, um, look, they're not Nazis, but Hydra is like Nazi adjacent. <laughs> they they were Nazis and they become something else that yeah, superheroes yeah, can reinterpret like, it. Like they started as Nazis they're like and then extremists. they weirder. They're, they're yeah. even weirder, um, but obviously they're clearly <laughs> German. Um, but anyway, uh, Red Skull is an interesting villain and probably my favorite superhero villain that uses skeletons as an archetype not um, skeletor from he-man no but i've got that in in as well i mean right. you, do you want to talk about skeletor do you do you have a love no. for skeletor i i mean well i actually more than anything i have a love for skeletor memes yeah there's a <laughs> lot of i i found this list i can't remember all of them but it was like 10 things you didn't know about skeletor 10 questions you have about skeletor and one of them was like does he eat or drink like because he is a skeleton and skeletons do not need to but in some cartoons like he's there holding you see like him a, holding a goblet holding, like a, a goblet lot of, of the time, hot liquid right? and it's like maybe it's just a power move right like he's yeah. just flexing on people yeah like oh look at my bejeweled goblet because i'm skeletor i don't need it but i have it there's one where there's like a ghost of skeletor meets skeletor and i think that's a bit excessive well, anyway meta. yeah <laughs> skeletor has a, a huge following i wasn't a huge uh, uh he-man dude i was a she-ra sure. i was a she-ra uh, girl i was not so much of a he-man gal i was a she-ra gal mm. yeah didn't they do a she-ra netflix show am i crazy i believe so i have not seen I it i heard it was good but yes i, I have all yes. i heard is that was good so for you all y'all she-ra fans out there i see you <laughs> and acknowledge that the show was good um the other movie that i watched in preparation for this episode um was army of darkness which i had also never seen before what um, yeah, I know. That's oh, what I'm good. saying. Oh, how is... are we friends? Oh my god. Oh, come on. What about the other 99% of content? No, there is share? a signed Army of Darkness poster in my bedroom, uh, in my basement. It is signed by Bruce Campbell. Now, it is That's not it is cool. my husband's full disclosure, it's my husband's. However, that is I, how have you not what? I don't know. Have you seen Evil Dead at least? No, I haven't seen oh any of them. So I've seen them now. I can't gonna... tell Ben that. He'll be like he he will come over and be well, like, I'm gonna, "Let's watch this now." I'm probably going to watch it now. Um, but I love Sam Raimi too. So I don't, I don't yeah. know. Um, it was great. It was, you know, it is great. my, my criticism of it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of movies that I have to trudge through where they're supposed to be about the monster and they turn out not to be. Oh, there's skeletons in this one. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of skeletons and they're doing scary stuff funny stuff whimsical stuff there's so many like kills like types of kills of skeletons there's like a skeleton big bad oh the number of boxes that this the movie ticks for skeletons is uh off the chain uh i highly recommend it if you're looking for skeleton movie content and just like the way that sam raimi films is so exciting like his it made me really excited for Doctor Strange, which is coming out, I think, mm -hmm. next month. Um, but 
like he even the somebody's getting shot by a crossbow and so he follows the cross uh, like the arrow in air until it hits the body like he tends to choose um it's he's done a really good job with low budgets in that way too that like he'll shoot it a very specific way so you forget that there's no great backdrop or there's no great cgi like the special effects in the movie are fantastic and like just exciting so you you don't care so much about it being perfect it's more like the experience of it is so good yeah he's managed to do the virtually impossible or seemingly impossible by making highly stylized and specific camp Mm -hmm. on such a low budget and then and when you talk or when you listen to bruce campbell do interviews and because they've collaborated together in so many different things and of course evil dead and army of darkness is the thing that made them both well known Mm -hmm. he he talks about like with just this this love of you don't have to come to filmmaking with a ton of money and it's just that's when it forces you to be more creative and that's how the two of them forged such a, a deep bond together is this like what are if we don't have a ton of money to do special effects or backdrops or costumes or whatever we better be very good filmmakers Mm -hmm. it's the third one in particular having not seen the other ones uh which i will remedy soon but um (laughs) i don't love the protagonist as like a character because he's just kind of the worst but it definitely comes from i think them understanding the archetype of that character and at every turn either leaning way into it or doing the opposite right? Like all of the romantic relationships that he has in this are just like, he's such a dick. Like he's like not <laughs> likable, but it's done to such an extreme that they're, it's like a spoof. You know what I mean? They, they're aware of the patterns and they're choosing to do something with it. So, um, you know, they're, they're putting, a, putting a hat on it. Well, Ash has quite a, a journey mm-hmm. as a character throughout, I, I throughout the film. Appreciate that he's like, I haven't always been a slave in this world. And then he was like a three minute flashback of the other movies. I was like, oh good, <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> and then it ends with what I can only imagine is the influence on um, Shaun of the Dead. Um, yes, oh, yeah. the, the final scene is awesome. That's actually not how that movie was supposed to end. Sam Raimi's no? original ending, it was supposed to be that ash takes that potion and he oversleeps and ends up in this terrible post-apocalyptic future um yeah but apparently apparently the the production house the 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 what do you call it producers (laughs) i've like i've totally lost my ability to speak today yeah the the producers like the company were was not happy with it they thought it was way too negative like Mm. they wanted the hero to, <laughs> yeah, to win but that's why i like it only because again they set up the i like i i understand his criticism of not wanting to do that because he's not a good protagonist the plot yeah. of the movie is that he's sent back in time to be the hero say a phrase and bring them a book and if he remembered the phrase he was supposed to say none of the plot would happen but it's only because he neglected to say the right thing that he releases all of this evil that he has to defend them from. And then is like claimed to be a hero because he brings them back the Necronomicon and like half the population dies, but it's his own fault. So I can well, understand you... why it's not like, but he was a hero in the end. Like he was, he <laughs> like. If you like that aspect of it, you really must see Ash versus Evil Dead, which mm-hmm. is the TV show that they created a couple of years ago, because it is entirely that character 
I that did, version of Ash. I did look it up, uh, and I, I think Sam Raimi even directed one episode of it, so mm-hmm. I think it's worth checking out. It's really good. It's yeah. It's they lean into that that like you said that version where it's just like if you just tried a little bit none of this shit would happen Mm -hmm. like they really lean into that kind of character and of course he has to become an unlikely hero over and over and over again because of the messes he gets himself and his friends into um and lucy lawless is in it as well too Mm. and she's fantastic and it's so much fun to watch bruce campbell and lucy lawless like almost 30 years after they did xena together Mm -hmm. come back and work together like that and you can tell it's just like they are so they have so much fun working together it's a ton of fun to watch them speaking of beloved franchises that became netflix shows in karate kid skeletons are featured when cobra kai uh do do, do you remember this it's like halloween and like johnny lawrence is dressed up as skeletons and cobra kai is all dressed up as skeletons they get uh defended by mr miyagi they cut back to it a lot on Cobra Kai, which I watch. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Ben was super into that show. I didn't watch any of it's, it. But honestly, I, uh, it's ridiculous. And it's it's just super fun. So I just like, I at first I was like, I don't. And then I just surrendered and I've watched it all. Um, <laughs> but um, it's like an iconic karate kid image of Johnny Lawrence, like, being this villain dressed as a skeleton. So this is skeleton adjacent, but it's still a like a goon dressed as a skeleton beating up the hero. So I think it qualifies. Um, earlier on, we were talking about the skeletons that were really massive. Like we're talking about, you said 16, 15 feet. It was 15 times the size of the average man. So have you seen, uh, it, there's a movie called Kubo and the Two Strings. And no. it's like an amazing animated film by Leica Studios. And they made one of the largest stop motion, um, I want to say animatronic, but I guess more like a puppet or a thing. Um, it was 16 feet tall in height. And uh, it's the longest stop motion, or the largest stop motion character to ever be created for this like final battle sequence with Kubo. And it's like, it's beautiful. (laughs) I think it won the Oscar that year. And there's videos that you can watch about the making of it and like how long it took them to do and how it had to be rigged and created. Does it size relative to the other um, stop motion characters? But uh, Kubo is awesome. And it's got this massive, beautiful skeleton monster. Um, have I spoiled your movie yet? I'm pretty nope. sure I've been. I'm pretty sure I've been dancing around it. Um, do you want to just go for it so I don't spoil it? Well, actually, I think. Well, I have another movie that that I think is a better segue coming out of Army of Darkness because mm. you can see how this movie so heavily influenced it. Um, I actually watched a bit of the 1963 Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, you did. This um, was on my list. <laughs> which, like. It holds up. Oh yeah, that is a seventy-year-old movie, and I was the the scene where they're fighting. You know, it's so it's so classic. This scene where the skeletons they come up out of the sand and they start attacking Jason and and his crew. It's all stop motion animation. Uh, and this the obviously there's a reason why I know this name, Ray Harryhausen who is just so well known for making all these legendary creatures was the one um, who had created these skeletons for Jason and the Argonauts. And it really holds actually in watching it, the most unrealistic thing about it is the way that the actors 
are fighting the skeletons themselves. You can tell that basically their directions were like, so the skeletons are going to kind of be here. Mm-hmm. And you and so they're just kind of like swinging wildly in the direction of where the skeletons are. It's not really that you can actually see them really attacking a specific thing. But these stop motion animation skeletons are legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're amazing. I remember, I think it was like, film studies class where I was shown this just because it was influential at the time for stop motion but also being a good version of a monster because I think there is a struggle for a period of time for you know horror films or like production to kind of make the leap in terms of not necessarily even being believable but but to being an impact like if you go back too far it's like it's not even scary and so there was an ingenuity in using it like I love there's old films you can find this is not about skeletons, but you can find one where they actually use like pieces of real bugs to create stop motion. And mm-hmm. it's like terrifying because they are real. Like it, there's something so disgusting about them, but it works so well because of what they used. So that's what I love about, I mean, it's not the first time we've kind of raved about our love of like special effects in that way on the podcast. A practical um, but, special uh, effects. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. sorry, practical yeah. special effects um, versus the, like um, just cg yeah Yeah. speaking of stop motion animation the time has come i'm going to talk about this movie i love it so much nightmare before christmas yeah obviously featuring (laughs) the greatest skeleton of all time mr jack skellington Uh, i i love this i knew it i knew it would be that movie (laughs) well i'm glad that you didn't spoil it for me i love this movie so much that when I was getting married, you know how there are a lot of women who like when they're getting their hair and makeup done, they wear a hoodie that says bride and it's all like sparkly and bedazzling. I should have I worn my Nightmare Before Christmas uh, colored hoodie. <laughs> well, my, that's the thing. So my mom, instead of buying me a bride hoodie, bought me one that uh, has Jack and Sally on the front of it. And it says true love never dies. Amazing. So she's like, it's kind of like a wedding thing, but also you like this movie. <laughs> that's like, awesome. Yes, I do. So yes, I love Jack Skellington so much because I think it's just such a perfect blend uh he he is our hero in the movie but he's so deeply flawed he makes Mm -hmm. so many mistakes and luckily figures it out in the end just in time to save the day and he's got this great polarity where he's so charming and lovely and everyone in town in halloween town loves him so much but really when it comes down to it he can be really scary and menacing Mm -hmm. and frightening and terrible and instead of being your very stereotypical skeleton, he wears this very dapper pinstripe mm-hmm. suit with his bat tie. And he's just, I love this movie so, so much. I watch it every year. Well, and, and that he's beloved for being so scary. You know, like that is yeah. why he is the kind of leader amongst that group. Yeah, um, because Which he's is so an interesting, yeah, an interesting antithesis for a protagonist. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I think some of my, one of my favorite parts of it is that Halloween Town has a mayor mm-hmm. who is entirely dependent upon Jack to be able to actually pull off Halloween every year. Well, the mayor like, is it's literally like, incompetent. It's literally the day after Halloween, and the mayor shows up on Jack's doorstep with a whole bunch of plans, being like, "Jack, we only have 365 days until next Halloween. I've got the plans." And like, he uh, he takes a full year to plan Halloween, and everyone is so dependent on him because he is the king of Halloween <laughs> and I love it so much yeah it's such a like amazing animation style too it, yes. that kind of it's it, like stretches into 
Corpse Bride, uh, mm-hmm. and even debatedly into uh, Frank and Weenie, which maybe we'll get into another day. But anyway, lots of uh, skeleton things. Yeah, and um, again, too, like, yeah, like the, the practicality of the stop motion animation versus, uh, yeah, and blending it with, uh, you know, the parts of like the, the hand-drawn animation and just it's such a masterful work of art in mm-hmm. that way as well, too. And such iconic visuals as well too you yeah. know there's he where he's standing on that hillside that has like you know, the curly cue on it and oogie boogie is so there's something masterful about, and... about tim burton's imagination that really i yes. think manifests a little bit better outside of live action because it just isn't as fully realized i think in live action in live action it just has too much of a i don't know a compromise and when you you've got these kind of stop motion or even just straight animation it's I don't know. It feels more fulfilled. Like even his color palette and stuff just feels better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another a- movie I'll that I think it. is fantastic. I'm just going to talk about and it because it touches on what we were talking about earlier about how like skeletons, a lot of the times, if you really think about it, don't actually have that much power. Um, for anybody who loves the scary movie franchise. Oh yeah. In scary. Yeah. In scary movie too, there's a scene where uh, our, our two female leads, Cindy and Brenda, they get separated and Cindy is being chased by a skeleton and she's just like, ah, ah, Brenda, save me, help me. And Brenda's hiding behind a wall and she's like, oh, I really hope that they don't notice me. Oh, I'm just gonna let them pass by me. And they're building it and, and Cindy falls down and the skeleton is advancing on her and she's dragging herself across the floor. Help me, help me, ah, and she's screaming and screaming. And uh, Cindy's just like, no, 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 just let them go by me. Please just let them go by me. And finally they come, they, they come upon Brenda and she turns and she looks and she sees that it's a skeleton and she turns to Cindy and she's like, Cindy, are you crazy? Are you serious? This is what has been scaring you. It's just a skeleton. Skeletons don't have any powers. This is some crazy <laughs> nonsense. And like, she literally, like she takes the skeleton head, like the skull off of the skeleton and starts teasing it. Like, oh, Mr. Skeleton, I've got your head. Oh, and they end the scene. They've completely taken the skeleton apart and then rebuilt it backwards. So that literally its head is in its ass. Amazing. <laughs> and it's like, and then it like kind of like drag stumbles itself away muttering about like oh, I, don't, I don't need this crap i'm just trying yeah. to scare these people <laughs> those, it's, those just, it's so films. funny because it i love those that those movies because they flip so many of the tropes on their heads and mm-hmm. then that is just such like a perfect encompassment of like like you said before like if you really think about it skeletons don't really have that much power they those guys they got? those guys like so the films were controversial when they came out and like so haven't mm-hmm. aged perfectly but they're ability to like escalate a joke is so good like just to like i'm pretty sure in one of the scary movies there's a bit where somebody uh is in a bathtub it's like one of the girls uh and they fart in a bathtub which is like so there's the joke and then the follow-up to that joke is that they smell the fart and then that's a joke and then she makes a face like but i like that smell and there's another (laughs) joke you know what I mean? Like they just, there's yeah. little things they do that like just, just add up really well. Or like the popcorn in the first one, like they, I don't know, they, they really get how to make a good bit. Um, speaking of a good bit, this is TV, but I, I'm just going to flip because it's like one of my favorite things ever. On the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, instead of having a musical guest, they just have Jeff who's Jeff Peterson, who was just a skeleton, totally skeleton with that. a name tag. And they would just cut to Jeff and he would just make like one-liner jokes and just rip on Craig Ferguson. <laughs> I was my favorite, like 
late night uh, TV. Oh, I totally forgot about that bit. But yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that was one of his best. It's so good. Best they just things, decided, yeah. like, I guess Craig was like, we don't have enough money to get good guests. So we're cutting the music. We're going to replace it with the skeleton. And then our guests will be better. <laughs> and well, look, and, yeah, and I think that that, yeah, I, I seem to recall him saying like, oh, yeah, we could never and they could also never afford a musical guest as well, too. Like mm-hmm. they could basically they could be yeah, like, yeah, we so can interview. I mean we can interview one person per episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they kind of had to decide it's it's easier to bring on an entertainer of some sort and talk with them for the entire length mm-hmm. of the show than it is for us to hire a band who then has to play like four or five songs mm-hmm. to fill the same amount of time. So yeah, that's why they never had musical guests is that they just couldn't afford to pay two different. It was the best solution ever because I actually love so it all, all the more. Um, I'm going to bounce back to movies. So in Terminator, obviously this is oh. not a skeleton, but the Terminator is scary because it looks like a skeleton. Like there's something about the fact that the robot in the Terminator is absolutely a skeleton underneath, you know, that makes it so crazy to look at. I guess you oh, I it. thought you were going to talk about that quite iconic scene where Sarah Connor has her vision of the future and she's seeing the kids playing in the playground and she's like, but like she can see the future coming. And so she's hanging on the chain link fence and she's trying to warn them and trying to warn them. And then this, wave of oh. like nuclear holocaust hits them and, and <laughs> well, all there's of that. Her skin burns off and she's but i think like, it's the same thing that underneath and- underneath the skin of like there's that just robot skeleton like the fact that the robot has to look human underneath being a human is is bizarre right why would that be the case but um yeah. Well, the Terminator has to have flesh over it to be able to be sent back in time. That's how no, the no, machines work. For sure. But I'm saying underneath that, the fact that they chose oh. production design, the robot, to look like a human skeleton is what makes it kind of menacing because it doesn't have to be. Like it has a certain resonance as that. Right. Um, the last kind of film, I've got a bit of TV, but is, is uh, in 1929? Uh, there's the skeleton dance just like a disney oh, yeah. short yeah, yeah. which is paired with um my song that i also really like which is the spooky scary skeletons but they go spooky scary skeletons and i don't remember the rest but <laughs> but you like that oh, song I, enough that you know two I words from it well i think it's one of those things that when i sing it you know you know songs that you like you know the lyrics to but you in fact do not like so <laughs> i i know that the rest of it is spooky scary skeletons dun 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 i think i just make it up whenever i'm singing it to myself like i make up what the spooky scary skeletons are doing and so i would just be making it up but i think there's something about a fright ah or you know shivers down my spine perhaps um Maybe, maybe, maybe a shiver's down my spine. It's very menacing. <laughs> yes, because they're so spooky and scary. Um, we talked about Skeletor already. In the fourth season um, of Game of Thrones, uh, when Bran uh, is like being attacked uh, in his party, there's like these, the whites or the children that he's attacked by these children that have just been kind of turned into these kind of bone monsters. Um and so that's, they're just down to their only bones left. And that is a good use of- uh, Children bones? Children, skeleton bones horror in a modern television show. I always liked the production design on Game of Thrones. 
a lot. Um, <laughs> speaking of, we're talking about animation, production design. Uh, nobody did that better than the Animaniacs, where there was Mr. Skullhead. And <gasps> I just oh, give. Yeah! I'm all about the throwbacks today. Wow! Um, I yeah, wow! I have watched every episode of the original series. I can't believe I forgot about Mr. Skullhead. Yeah, there's all the good idea, bad idea yeah. segments. They have at least one song about Mr. Skullhead. That's like his song. And he would appear. Um, doing it's the skits. Mr. Skullhead show starring him, Mr. Skullhead. It's all coming back to me now. I, I won't sing the rest because I'd just be making it up. Um, <laughs> like scary, spooky skeletons. Skeletons are definitely scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Mr. Skullhead often uh, also popped up in Tiny Tunes. Um, there were a handful of Tiny Toons Animaniacs crossovers. Mm -hmm. All right. We are now uh, down to, I think, the last category, Madrid, which is video games. Well, we didn't do music, but I don't, I mean, we kind of sang oh, a little bit about skeletons. I think, but... I think we covered it. With <laughs> we covered it with skeletons. the Mr. Skullhead theme song. Okay. <laughs> no, this is Spooky Scary Skeletons. It's a song by Andrew Gold. And there it, also, are lots of it songs got turned into a meme. Yeah. Um, well, I looked at them. The other ones weren't worth it. <laughs> you know? You know what? Hit me up. Hit me up with your video games because there's been a fan request that uh, it, that there's hope that we talk about his favorite skeleton. And I'm, I hope that it is also my favorite video game skeleton. Okay. I've got uh, four different video games. All right. Um, the first one that I found which is kind of the obvious one is dry bones in super mario and by extension oh. there's also dry bowser which is a skeleton version of bowser we're talking about skeletons being other things it's like if a skeleton was a turtle and lived in the desert and if a, it was a bowser <laughs> um so that's the first one uh they appear in all sorts of games i mean we're talking about mario it's just like i i'm just gonna say mario because they're all over the place. Um, there is, and this room may be one of my favorites, Stalfos. They're Hyrulean soldiers from Zelda who died in the Hyrulean Civil War, or they're children who get lost in the Lost Woods and they're reanimated um, by magic, but they are essentially skeleton monsters that you fight in all of the Zelda games. They, the animation obviously changes as they progress, but earlier on, you're just fighting a kind of 8-bit skeleton, and then later on, they, they get lore, you know? Um, but they're always called Stalfos. There is a very small skeleton man who is a witch doctor from Banjo-Kazooie called Mumbo-Jumbo. <laughs> um again i'm not entirely sure how well it's aged but it was fun at the time and he was always like referring to them as like bird instead of their actual name and kind of like inciting them to continue along um in the story and the last one that uh, i have to share is named skelly and skelly is from a game called hades 
And in Hades, I think we've talked about this uh, another week, but it's like getting out of the underworld. And Skelly is a training dummy. So like there's levels where the game you loop back every time you die and you have to start and it's kind of like arcade style and you have to make it out of the underworld. But one of the first monsters that you encounter is Skelly and he just teaches you, he's in the weapons room and every time you get a new weapon, you can just take it out by just murdering Skelly and then he falls apart and comes back together after a very short period of time. And it's a bit of a running joke. Those are the skeletons that I uh, enjoy in video games. Hmm. Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, I started playing a game online with my husband and my nephew called Sea of Thieves, Mm -hmm. where you play a pirate and it's a very open game. You can basically just go around and and like, there are some quests that you can do where you can just sail around and fight other pirates and things like that. Um, but of course, because it is a fake Caribbean island and you, or, or sea, and you go to all these different islands as you're looking for treasure, you are of course attacked by skellies and they are colloquially, it's funny. It's like part of the community of sea of thieves. They're not actually officially called this, but ever literally everyone calls them skellies. Like nobody mm-hmm. <laughs> refers to them in any other way. And I love them because it's just like, you'll, you know, you'd be walking along and then all of a sudden they pop out and like, I cannot help but yell, ah, skellies every time that they come out and it's great. And there are all these different kinds of skelly skellies. So like there are the gold skellies, um, who are quite, you know, because they're covered in gold, they're quite impervious to attack. So, but they're weakened by water. It makes them rust. So if you're fighting in the rain, that's uh, an advantage or otherwise you have to like lure them down the beach with you and bring them out into the ocean with you. And so then they rust and and then you can attack them. Uh, On the flip side, there are the plant skeletons that have all of these ferns and vines growing out of them. And they are actually uh, empowered by the the water so like because it like builds up their plant life so you have to attack them with a cutlass so that it's like you're hacking through the jungle um there are shadow skeletons that if you just try to attack them when they're in their regular stance it it, the attack goes right through them because they're shadows so you have to hold up your lantern or like lure them out into the daylight you'll often find them in caves so you have to lure them out into the daylight where they become solid and then you can attack them. And then the worst kind of skelly, there are other kinds of skelly, but the worst kind are the gunpowder skellies. They will just pop up out of the sand holding a lit oh, powder keg and they chase you across the beach. That's frustrating. And, and That's it's always like a you thing in like zombie games where you're like, up. this is the zombie that chases you and explodes. You're like, what? Get out. The you're worst, chasing me. But Why the worst part of it explode? though is if they manage to get close to your ship, like if you have docked near the shore and they manage to get close to the ship and explode it, they can do some serious damage to your ship. But of course you have now died because you got blown up by this gunpowder case. So you have to wait for the reload screen, which is um, the ship of the damned mm-hmm. while you're waiting to, to load back onto your ship. So as you are waiting to be resurrected, your ship is now like, fairly rapidly filling with water because it's got half a dozen holes in it. It's very stressful. Those gunpowder skellies. But um, I love it. It's so much fun. There's one more game that I'll just Wait, say there's one a, more game. That's a bonus. Oh, fine. You go one more and then I'll go one more. And then I Hunter, we, our hope, guest has been waiting for, I know, for us but to this get is, through all of our this amazing is the pop one culture. That I hope our fan request of their favorite skeleton is also uh, my favorite one as well too. Uh, I did not play this game when it originally came out, but of course my husband who is even nerdier than me 
did. And then it got re-released for the Xbox. And so we played it again afterwards, just a couple of years ago. I have now played all of, I can't see that it's too small. He's trying to hold something up to the screen on his phone through Zoom. Will. No, I, anyway, this video game that we started playing that is like so iconic is Monkey Island. Oh, not, not what I was sharing. Oh, oh great. So the, the suspense it builds. <laughs> No, Monkey Island, again, it's a, like you play this guy named uh, Guybrush Threepwood who desperately wants to be a pirate. Um, but he encounters in uh, in the curse of Monkey Island, he encounters a demonic skull named Murray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Murray is so funny. So he ends up, you as Guybrush end up blowing up all of the rest of his body, uh, which ends up like washing away in the Caribbean sea. And so all that's left of him is his skull. <laughs> and so um, he's always like hurling insults at you, oh, even though a... you need him for things and he needs you for things. That and, was like... like a skeleton trope as well. Skeletons that are just ahead and you like yeah. open a chest and it bites you. That's like apparently appears all over the place. But like, and the joke is that despite not having a body, he somehow manages to make his way around the entire map in, in these three different islands that you're playing on, like you'll mm-hmm. just be wandering around doing a quest and all of a sudden Murray's there and you're like, you don't have a body. How did you end up on this island? <laughs> Roll. And then like, um, you need him for some quests. So you can actually put some quest specific <laughs> items into your pockets. And so yeah. you can put Murray into your pockets, but at any given moment, like he just, he manages to find his way out of your pocket mm-hmm. somehow sometimes. Does he talk to you like a, like yeah. a fairy? Like <laughs> yeah. So like, you'll think that you have Murray in your pocket, but unless you absolutely need him for the quest that you're on, you could just all of a sudden like go into your inventory and then be like, where the hell is Murray? Like he just wanders off somehow. Um, it's so funny. The last bonus one that I have was also an iconic skeleton character in a game called Medieval, which is a evil skeleton man. His name is Sir Daniel Fortesk, uh, and he is uh, fighting in an attempt to stop Zarek and the invasion of the kingdom. Um, it, it was like a PlayStation 1 game, but it recently got like, re- like many of these games remastered. But for sure, uh, if we have fans out there who played PlayStation 1 and were into skeletons, you, you for sure played this game. So um, shout out to you. Uh, <laughs> now, we are going to take a little bit of a break. Madrin, for, for this week's guest, it happened in kind of a funny way uh, because I actually had the intern come to me. And this was maybe one of our oldest interns. I, I, I'm not going to say their age, but they were like real old. And mm. they, they came up to me. And was just kind of like, you know, and this is not an impersonation, but just for clarity, they were like, I found a skeleton. And I was like, I'm sorry, I found a skeleton. And I was like, did you, is it a- Is it yours? Is it a, like, are you- did, <laughs> Is it a friend of did yours? Did you discover somebody who had died? And they're like, no, skeletons, do skeletons. I found a skeleton. And um, so, yeah. Um, Apparently we've been hiring old prospectors as interns. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, look, that's not exactly what they sounded like. And, um, you know, I, I choose not to um, put out their last name, um, but his first name was uh, T- Tigert. The um, Tigert? Tigert is what he said. Tigert! And he kind of says Wait, our like, guest's name is Tigert? No, or not our, our guest, just the Tigger. intern. 
Anyway, we had an, a super old, old, tiny prospector intern named Tigger. Yep. This sounds totally legit. This absolutely happened to you. Yeah, I know. At my apartment, he came over, <laughs> knocked on my door. I had to take the chain lock out because it was the middle of the night. This man managed to in. get in the building, so yelling in my face, lobby, into the elevator, up. Well, I buzzed him in. I don't know. <laughs> he said, I, I want to be an intern. And so I did let him let him in because, you know, we always need more interns. Wait, that's your threshold? Like somebody just buzzes <laughs> you randomly and they're like, but I want to be an intern. You're like, oh, well, then welcome in to my apartment building, stranger. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm um, glad I don't live in your building if you're just letting in random people who say, I want to be an intern. Well, people don't generally find a random building, buzz your unit number, know your name and say, I want to be an intern. It's like, it's like, a, you know, in, in war movies, when, when you know the secret passage to get to the back room, um, that's the equivalent of my apartment for getting access to me if you have a monster to share. Anyway, let's take a break. When we get back, we're going to be joined by a skeleton. Um, this is the reason I don't have the skeleton's name. I just have T Tigert who yelled at me that he knew a skeleton. And hopefully that's true um, because at this point it would be too late to cancel. So I mean, what uh, the whole episode hinges on this, uh, our guest actually being a skeleton. Yeah, well, and uh, time will tell. See you then. We are now joined by a skeleton. I can't say specifically yet which skeleton uh, or who the skeleton is. They has not yet uh, revealed themselves to us, um, but they are standing behind a sheet that they are holding up and they are very excited to reveal themselves and say their name. It's a very so big, this is the most dramatic creature we have had on our podcast so far. No one has ever made well, I think, honestly, such a splashy I, I, entrance. I think it was Tigger's fault because Tigger also, when he came by, said this skeleton would like to come from behind a sheet and reveal himself. So, um, look, what Tigger wants, I oblige. Because he knew how to get into your building. Yes, because he knew how to get into my building. Um, so uh, our guest is uh, currently veiled behind the sheet. And uh, they are going to reveal themselves in three, two, one. Hello. Hi. Oh. Who are you? Well, I don't really know my name. I was given the number 572 by my necromancer, Elliot Baxter Fly. Oh, sorry, Elliot Baxter Fly? Is the Elliot Baxter Fly, the greatest <laughs> necromancer known in the galaxy. Wow. How many of them do you know? Necromancers, I mean. I know Elliot Baxter Fly, the greatest necromancer. <laughs> I, guess the only I mean, one that... if you know the greatest one, you don't need to know any it's of the true. other ones, right? I was summoned by the greatest one. Um... I'm, just, I'm just concerned that there might be some bias there, that maybe your, your master has uh, told you that he's the best, but he could be not the best. He could be the second best. Do you think there's one better? I don't know. But I guess this is a question that we, we might have to get to. I don't know a lot of necromancers personally, so... Uh, if you have it on good authority that he's the best, I'll, I'll choose to believe you. Um, now, you said it was uh, uh, five, five, two, seven? 
Two. Yes, my number is 527. But if, if it is more comfortable, I can make up a name for you. No, um, no, we could, we, well, maybe we'll shorten it to a five. We'll if just... you were to make up a name, though, what would it be, 527? Uh, red, uh, boy. Red boy. Okay, we're going to go with 527. 527 <laughs> it is. All right, as long as you're comfortable. Elliot oh. Baxter Fly would love you to be as comfortable as possible. Oh, is he? Sorry. No. no. Is he asking about us? Does he know who he we is? He is a huge fan of your podcast. Oh. oh. Wow. I yes. take back everything I said. He's definitely the best necromancer. I'm sure he's the best necromancer Absolutely. of all time. That's of what he time. tells us every day. Did, we did chant. Elliot Baxter Fly ask you to come here? And talk to us for a, a particular reason. Yes. Or, or okay. And and what he he tricked uh, Tigert, the intern, into yeah. delivering a message that was regarding a skeleton. Did he have to do it at four in the morning? Also, just for, did he have to? That is the greatest skeleton time, four okay. in the morning. Fair enough. I was just asleep, so I, that mm-hmm. sounds legit. It is. And I don't, have you met Tigert? I did. It yeah, was a brief meeting, oh, but I found that he brief was because it was so enjoyable and that you just sent him on his merry way. Yes. Sent him on his merry way to become a skeleton, just like me. Oh, it's wonderful okay. what we're able to do as a collective. We're able oh. to come together as bones in one. So there are more skeletons like you well, that you I'm... know? I'm gonna yes, I'm five hundred and twenty-seven. I think of a long line of skeletons. Five hundred and twenty-six. Um, I don't like to talk about five hundred and twenty-six. Arrogant little shit that he is. (laughs) Oh, oh, so it's maybe there. It's not all harmony in animated skeleton town. Well, sometimes, uh, Madrin. Sometimes bones connect, and sometimes they don't go in that proper place. Well, you know, I did. I had some thoughts about and this. And some some bones get their head stuck up, their hip bone. Yeah. Oh, I I think I understand what you're I saying. I think yes. I think you I, know yes. the innuendo that I'm going with. I do. I I in, don't get it. In his endo, am I right? Uh, 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 uh <laughs> that is funny. All right. I enjoyed that. I get it. Uh, <laughs> this is the best time I've had in 200 years. Wow. So you're 527 and you yes. were created 200 years ago. Yes. How old is this necromancer? Uh, Elliot Baxter Fly, the greatest necromancer known to man, has been around for several centuries. Hmm. Yes. So, so, I mean, I, that, this, is, this is yet more evidence to the greatest necromancer of all time title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It lives way longer really? than the average yeah. human. Yes. And I would assume in that time, there's probably, you know, at least a thousand of you. Um, I've never seen Elliot Baxter fly in the news, nor have I seen an army of approximately, well, maybe that's not the right term, a, a flock, a, uh, what do you call it? Collective, perhaps. Collective? We actually like to be called a murder of skeletons. Oh, okay. Oh. I've never Crows seen... are the smartest bird known to man. And they we- They do like shiny things. Right? They are very- we're we're also very attracted to shiny things. Hmm. 
like this shiny podcast that we're on. Oh, <laughs> you not, charmer. Well, you know, there's nothing shinier than five stars. Um, but I digress. Um, I have never seen Elliot Baxter fly or a murder of skeletons on the news. So I'm mm-hmm. wondering, where are you from? Where are you currently uh, broadcasting to us uh, from? Well, uh, we do live in several different caves uh, around uh, North America. I mean, I, I may have said too much just now, uh, but I haven't been dissolved yet. So that's that's a good sign. Um, so we're like a built in kill switch. If you say the wrong thing. That you Elliot Baxter fly is never <laughs> listening when we don't want him to. Oh. Is that? Yeah. Sometimes he scares me. Oh. Yeah, Matt, I'm getting a little concerned. Here, wait, to say it like, can you just get just real quiet here? You won't be able to hear you tel- telepathically if you whisper. Okay, okay. I'm going to get um, in real close. What's yeah. going on? What's, what do you, what, are you, do you are have you, something you want to get off your chest, Will? Are you, well, I mean. Do you have Mad- a secret? Madrin has been dabbling in magic, but that's a whole other thing. Um, do you, do you want to become a necromancer? Madrin? Uh, well, I wasn't. I wasn't really thinking about reanimating. Well, that the wasn't. Dead, but that wasn't why. That, why well, you don't you don't like uh, reanimating the dead? Is that it? Well, I don't have a very big house. Oh. Um, so I really I don't. I could don't you, know you could you keep uh, skeletons under your house? No. Well. What about skeletons know. in your closet? Wait, 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 wait. How many skeletons can you fit in your closet? Not very many. I have a the, lot. The of reason. Wait. Mm. wait Five hmm. to seven. The reason I, I gathered you close to the mic like this was that you seem to be uh, concerned about Elliot Baxter Fly. Elliot Baxter Fly, the greatest necromancer known to man. I would never be scared of him unless uh, he was here right now. Is he here? Is he listening? Um, I don't. Well, he listens to the podcast. He's a huge fan of the podcast. But when is this be releasing? Um, Later. Are we live? Are we live? It comes out on Mondays. You know, I'll edit this part out. Okay, I'm going to edit this part out, and he's never going to hear it. I'm trusting you, Will. I'm trusting you. Okay, what? Wait, just for context. My fragile skeleton life is in your hands right now. So if if this was to come out and I forgot to edit it out, what would happen to me? You specifically? Yeah. As Elliot Baxter Fly is a huge fan of your podcast, probably nothing. Oh, okay, cool. Then so what de- would happen to Then I'm you? definitely going to edit this out. I would dissolve. I wouldn't be anymore. When you say dissolve, do you mean like a human body in lie? Or do you just mean like your bones would collapse and you would just cease to be animated? Well, uh, eventually, Madrin, bones do turn to dust over time as i've been around for 200 years i'm only being kept alive by the magic of my great necromancer elliot baxter fly and so you fear that if you upset him he will turn stop your animation and turn your bones to dust yeah he he leveled up recently and uh he's uh he's really been enjoying uh making us fire skeletons and uh freezing skeletons Mm. you know what i have to say just just uh, elliot if you're listening which you won't be because i edited this part out 
but five two seven is doing a great job right now. You know, there's Thank no you. need to turn Thank into you. great great representation of the necromancy community mm-hmm. uh, of the skeleton community. I think you're doing an excellent job in letting the people know your story. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, uh, how is the intern doing? Uh, Tigert is with us. Um, he wants to become part of our group. Oh, is he there? Uh, uh, I don't think so. No, he's in. He's in the other room. Oh, no, uh, get, get, get out! Get Oh, oh, you're pushing! You're pushing! Uh, so, sorry, sorry. Move, my moving, move, moving out of there. I'm on the podcast. I'm on the podcast. Yeah, uh, get him, get him out of there. I didn't know it still hurts. Yeah, it, it it's always gonna hurt. The pain never goes away. Well, like arthritis. Yeah, it's like oh. a, it's like a, it's like a throat cough. You know, you just, it's mm-hmm. like a, a lump in your throat that you never really quite get out. Oh, that's that's the existence of a of a skeleton. It's like that, like continuous feeling, like you're stuck, like you want to move on, but you oh. can't. Well, that doesn't sound very like a pleasant experience, a pleasant way to experience the world. Well, I I get to serve my wonderful. Uh, necromancer Elliot Baxter Fly. Um, when you say that you serve him, what kinds of things does he have you do? Uh, well, we do a lot of marching. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he likes uh, he likes the um, you know the sequin uh, moving uh, where like uh, we we march in unison and it like connects, but like it doesn't. It like it like waves over each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he films it. It's on it's on TikTok. You can oh. find it on TikTok. Skele- just... Skeleton synchronized movement. Maybe uh, oh, kind of like a kind of like tens, a skeleton. Tens and tens of followers. Sounds like a almost like a skeleton drum corps. Yes, yes. There are drums. That. There are drums. Ooh. Is it yeah. your your chest, like your own mm-hmm. body? Yeah. Oh. We do that as well. Yeah. There's some. There's some like actual drums, and you know that uh, that that symbols. <laughs> Symbol, thank you. Mm. Uh, never being good with uh, um, uh, uh, words. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, but we have the symbol, and then we move, and we we make music, and he films it, and then he puts it on TikTok, and and I think he has 10, 10, 10 followers now. Um, I was actually <laughs> the like the movement I, is slow, but where had- Elliot Baxter Fly is really working on it. I have seen a ton of skeletons doing um, some very sweet dance moves. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen a lot of skeletons involved in uh, like a- animated. So, you know, it may not be your experience at all, but mm-hmm. there might be a grain of truth to being like a band. So I'm just wondering if you have any of those special skills. If, have you been in a band? Do you play an instrument? Are you a good dancer? You know, um, I, I a, have been known to uh, as you move? I have been known to do the 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 bone shuffle. Oh, uh, it's, it's a little uh, little move. Sometimes I like to, you know, dangle, dangle oh. my arm and then I dangle Ooh. the other arm oh. and then I just do like a little flail. Like oh, a flail it's like he's got like a, like a windmill action yeah. going on oh, right man. now. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's even bigger because I'm, I'm sitting down right now. But yeah. like it, it's even bigger from what you were expecting before. And it's it's, pretty, it's I mean, huge. It's pretty bonkers. There's no like meaty bits to get in the way. Right. So it's like a perfect no. circle. You're flailing at your elbow there. Oh, yeah. And I can dislocate anything, anything and just like flail. 
this yeah. this um yeah. has uh, we were wondering this earlier mm-hmm. there's a television show it features a character named skeletor who we've seen that character eating is that a thing that you do eat uh, well, we really live off the energy of our great malevolent Elliot Baxter Fly. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the uh, one that gives us life and gives us food and gives us uh, the energy to keep going. Did mm-hmm. Did you say benevolent or malevolent? There's a There's a lot of um, uh, uh, probably benevolent. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Is that the yep. good one? That's the, yep, that's the good one. That's the one that keeps you from turning to dust. Oh. Patrick, should we talk about the fact that he's that he's carving the word malevolent into the wall? Oh. Or should we edit this part out also? No, let's not address it's kind it. Of, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's just, not address let's it. just let's let it go. Um, have you ever lost a limb? I feel like it's a thing that that skeleton you're constantly you know doing cool dance moves, whipping mm-hmm. them around, you know, mm-hmm. putting them places where the sun don't shine, etc. Do you ever lose uh, bones and then have to deal with that? Uh, that is a that is a great question, Will. Um, sometimes I do. Uh, I have actually. This is not my original arm. Uh, oh. my whole my whole arm has been uh, replaced. Wow. Uh, he didn't like uh, my bone density when I was first animated. Okay. Uh, so I got uh, uh, reassembled uh, with new new arm. Um, my legs were uh, able to be kept intact though. Uh, mm-hmm. But they do, they do get like knocked off a lot. And sometimes mm-hmm. they find their way back. Sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. I know a guy that's just down to his skull. Whoa. Number 328. Does he do that thing where he hides in chests and then people open it and it bites them? No, but that's a good idea. Oh, just kind of tumbleweeds around, I guess. Do you have any more yes. ideas? Any uh, more ideas? Yes. Um, My master, I mean, uh, benevolent lord, uh, uh, Elliot Baxter Fly, would love to know your ideas, Will. Do you think of him as kind of like a father figure? Yes, he gives us life. Do you ever play catch in the backyard or... Sometimes he tosses my bones around. Do you reenact the graveyard scene from Hamlet? All with... the time. Wow. That I is, mean, with all those skulls like... around, you can't help, but I mean, how do you do it? How do you not do it, right? right. He's passing a lot of the, okay, this is the, the, the let's- and, and I will say our benevolent uh, 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 leader, uh, Elliot Baxter Fly, does do uh, a, a, de- a definitely a decent, half-decent version of uh, uh, to be or not to be. He just sort of trails so he off says that after or you that. Say that's, that. it. that's it, that's Who all he does. That? You say that? Yeah, he doesn't no, say much El- Elliot after. Baxter. Elliot Fly. Baxter Fly. Fly. The greatest Sorry, necromancer. I, was... I, wait, I wanted to say performer. Gould, but wait, obviously one, there's one, already one, an Elliot Gould. One second. This sounds like, look, maybe this is an insane thing to say out loud. Elliot Baxter fly is not, in fact, a fly, right? It's like a human person necromancer, or is it a fly necromancer? I've said too much. Oh. Oh. I don't have much time. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Okay. I feel like, Madrid, we really stumbled upon something important here. Oh, and, oh, whoa. Don't say, drag me into this. I didn't think he was a fly. I don't want to get necromancied. How many times did he say Elliot Baxter fly? Eventually, it's a, it's, it's a name, Will. People how many, last name is How many fly. people do you know with the I last name much fly? Time. Please. Help I don't me. a lot of flies. A couple There's of There's thousands flies. of us. Thousands of us. Please. Just get us out. Imagine they're at the whims of a fly, a fly that's been alive for hundreds of years. That's like a fly just clinging to life. Is he a fly-sized fly? Because I don't understand how you haven't just like squished him. It's a Jeff Goldblum-sized fly. Oh. Yes. Oh, that makes. Does he uh, look like Jeff Goldblum? Because no, be- no, he is a much hideouser version of uh, Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God! I think he's. He, he can hear us. He can well, hear us. I wouldn't use the words hideous. If I were you. Yeah, I maybe maybe. I mean, down who am the... I to judge? Maybe he he prefers to be uh, treated with. Um, uh, does he does he like being feared and um, uh, scary? Or or does he want people to like kiss his fly feet and stuff? Uh, yes, Ew. all of the above. He oh. does love kisses at his feet. Yeah. Yeah, well. they're sticky, sticky fly feet. I can't kiss though. I don't have lips. Oh, what oh do fair you, enough. What fair do enough. you do? do you I just, just sort of, of nibble. <laughs> nibble, or, and, or, nibble and kneel. Yeah, nibble perhaps and kneel. Just, perhaps just a good groveling. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Do you think that'll work? I mean, you can always try. Look, there's, there's, there's only. I've never been one to grovel, but I, I could give it a shot. Do you want to? Do you want to pretend could... to be uh, Elliot Baxter Fly? Oh, you want to do some role play? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll do yeah, some role play. Yes. Okay. Practice. You know. I, I am Elliot okay, Baxter I'll, Fly. I'll be, I'll oh. be, t- okay, I'll be Tiggered, and you Great. guys. You okay. Can, okay. You're, you're captured though, so like, put I a, put a muzzle on it. Elliot yeah. Baxter Fly, the greatest necromancer who ever lived. Oh, at my feet. Oh, we love you, Elliot Baxter Fly. It's you me. Are... It's me, Tigger. I'm trapped in a cage. Did someone put quiet someone... down? You, I will be necromancing you soon enough. I'm sorry, guys. My Tigger impression is not. I'm just not. Yeah, just I mean, you were doing a better one before when he was an old timey prospect. <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, I that was some excellent real. groveling 527. That did, was some excellent did you, groveling. Did, did you think, it, do you think it would work? Yeah. I, I think so. I think well, so. You know, and you just, just kind of like try to widen your okay. eye holes just yeah. a little bit and get some earnestness in there. Just uh-huh. like really, really show Do you think him. that will come through with the dark void that is the eye holes? <laughs> yeah. You know, eyes, I they think, say human eyes are the window to the soul. Yeah. But are, are the eye holes? <laughs> windows to the soul you have to tell me because i can barely see you know what i can probably know i can see all of your love and and fear it Mm -hmm. just that's the fear is a good key element to a good grovel yeah and and some awe okay some like awe like yeah just put some uh, on oh oh there you go there you go there you go a little bit like something else um but Um, look, after being on this podcast, there's only two possible outcomes with Elliot Baxter fly. Okay. Let's, let's just break it down and be real. 527. Okay. Number one. Yeah. He hates it. He does not like your appearance on the podcast and he turns you to dust. That's okay. Option, What's plan B? Option two is that you become his favorite. You are the, the most 
famous skeleton of all, you know, okay. and, and you are beloved oh. by by your community. As like far this. as as far as if this is in fact Elliot Baxter Fly's favorite podcast, which yeah. uh, which I believe to be true, and it and is. why why wouldn't it be? You know, why would I um, lie? Exactly. Well, I anyway. Uh, I think there's only two outcomes. So let's 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 go on the side that you are going to be a mega celebrity momentarily on okay. Monday on Monday when this episode comes out. Are are is anyone is are you casting a big budget movie that needs skeletons? Uh I'm not, but it, you're going to be not not as of this moment, but oh. I here's think the thing. What, I think the point that Will is trying to make is that once this episode airs in a few oh. days, you uh-huh. will be the most famous skeleton of all time. Yeah, and somebody's gonna want... will just be wow. clamoring to put you in I their movies, their TV shows. Yeah. You'll have endorsements. Mm-hmm. Oh. You'll you'll really be making a lot of bank. If Ooh. you know, if we write just like a, a little article, somebody could get the life rights to you, and then they could option oh, that to a option movie. Off your life story. That's the key. Yeah, the key is to get it in writing, and so maybe somebody will option this episode of the podcast even. And you know, I I could sign off by that. Then you've got your life story out there. They're looking right. for the perfect person to play five two seven. They find that's true. Five. Who do you think would play five two seven? Well, other than yourself, I think it would well, be it's you. a tough cast. Oh, you think me? Other than, but other than, well, other I, than five to seven. What if I like? I'm. What producing. about like Doug Jones? He's great oh, at Doug playing, Jones. You know? uh, He's tall and great, yeah. skinny, but he already kind of has a little bit of a skeletony uh-huh. quality to his appearance. You know, I'm also thinking, mm-hmm. you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. Just putting it out there. Oh, okay. Maybe Leo. Okay. Okay. Maybe Leo. Yeah, shoot mm-hmm. for the stars. Shoot for he's, the stars. He's yeah. done it all, right? Like you know. Maybe maybe they're doing kind of like a glamorous version. And do you need, think uh... do you think Elliot Baxter Fly would consider playing me? You five two seven. That's really an interesting question. Is the world ready for a necromancing fly? Yeah, to play a skeleton. <laughs> to play a skeleton. <laughs> skeleton in a in a biopic. Do you think the world There's... would buy it? Wait. Will it be? Would you think we can get David Cronenberg? Because if we can get Cronenberg oh. and we can make it a body horror, I I think we could sell it. What I about think... Sam Sam Raimi? Would he do it? Mm, he would do it, uh, but I think Cronenberg would be the move. It's, I, you know, I think if take Sam Raimi did it, he would have you do like funny skeletony, stereotypical oh. skeletony things. Well, I don't. I don't, don't, don't want to be a stereotype that... of a skeleton. Yeah. See if no. we're if we're talking about like, your life story, I don't really yeah. think we want to make you the the butt of some of the jokes. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm a hero. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. the I... eyes of the skeletons. Yeah, uh, you will be starting on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, <laughs> five two seven. Um, we are now at a, a segment of the show that was formerly called pitches, where we would pitch things uh, that we like. Sometimes it would be something in our community that we like, uh, or it would be a piece of content that we like, or something that we're directly a part of, or maybe there's an actor you really like that you want to pitch to us that that you know. Five two seven. Um, it is now called with my dying breath. And the way that it works is that this is you, all my fault. I'm so sorry. In my yeah. la, in the last episode, I suggested there should be a theme, and of course, Will ran with it. I, I'm sorry, dear listeners. This, By the time this, that you listen to me, it, this there is might even me. there might even be a sound effect. Ah! Great. 
Who's to say it could just be a couple seconds of silence? Um, so what the way that it works is you say with with your dying breath. So as I uh, am lying in the grass, uh, I had been shot seven times while uh, saving a, a child um, from uh, mafiosos in uh, Paris, France. I'm lying there. And with my dying breath, I am going to read a whole book. And that book is called The Midnight Library by oh, Matt I Haig. Love that book. It's uh, really awesome. It's a book about the, um, there's a woman, I can't remember the protagonist's name now, but she's uh, dying. She's like a, a committing suicide. And then she she imagines there's there's a, she's brought to a midnight library and she plays out every scenario of her life that it could have gone down. It's like a really beautiful story about her joining and finding choice and, and all the things that you could be. And so um, with my dying breath, I am going to read that book. And I recommend that you do too, uh, hopefully before you die. Anybody else have something that they would like to uh, share with their dying breaths? So, so how does this, I'm, so I'm supposed to create the scenario in which I am dying first and then... I promote a thing. Yeah. Or you could just say with my dying breath. Okay. The, the scenario is the, is the fun part. <laughs> but, you All know, right. We don't just pitch things on the show anymore. Okay. It's not just about things that people want or things that people should check out. It's that with my dying breath. Oh, it's that great. I will read this book. It's a good book. All right. After contracting a contagious wasting disease, Victorian style, and lying in my bed, wasting away in the darkness. But of course I'm going to leave behind a beautiful corpse because that's how you do it in these types of scenarios. And you come to my bedside and I'm there gasping away and it's so tragic and I'm, but yet still so beautiful. And with my dying breath, I would actually like to promote congratulating uh, a member of my family today, just this afternoon, my sister-in-law became a Canadian citizen. Oh, which right was on. just such a long time coming. And she had to study so hard and work so hard to get it. And we're all just so pleased and so proud of her. Uh, and so, yes, with my dying breath, congratulations to Eunice on now becoming officially a Mexican-Canadian citizen. Yay! Then she immediately perishes into the bed. <laughs> but she'll die happy. Um, five to seven. Look, we've outlined two scenarios here. One where you live forever as a beloved citizen amongst your people. But if it turns out to the opposite and uh, things come to a close for you, what are you thinking about doing with your dying breath? Well, well, Madrin, I've thought a lot about this. I think I would die on a mountain on the top where I could see out over the wide green plain or snowy plain, depending on the weather. Then I, I would fall. I would just like slip like slip on something and then I would tumble and I would hit probably my skull on a uh -huh. rock on the way down. Um, and if the malevolent 
uh, Elliot and Baxter Fly might save me <laughs> from my tumble. If he didn't fly in. He because he could he could swoop in. But you're and, saying he doesn't and, in this scenario if he did. But he he, do, he doesn't. He definitely doesn't. There's uh there's five hundred and uh and and twenty six others like me. Well, none like you. But anyway, carry on. I appreciate those words, Will. As I tumble, <laughs> I I I roll and make a ball, and then smash into another mountain that I was rolled into, and then. With my dying breath, I would say, Elliot Baxter Fly, <laughs> you weren't that good of a necromancer. Yeah. And uh, and that would be that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Powerful words. Yeah. So I guess what you want the people to know is um, in this scenario that you don't make it, that he's not great. And we'll find out why. But if you do make it, everyone out there, Elliot Baxter Fly is great. Um, he didn't save me, Will. Well, yeah, good point. But not but in this scenario, that the episode releases, you know, I'll um. Do you have cell service uh, down there in, in your cave? I don't. I don't have an ear, Will. <laughs> oh, well. Um, I have ear holes. I was gonna say I'll text you, but uh, good luck. Uh, I guess I won't be able to follow up because I. I, quite frankly, I was never able to find you in the first place. That was just our intern. And maybe send another intern. Um, I mean, this intern maybe. found Will. We didn't even really have to send him. And you know, odd. I think Tigger might just be. Oh, he's a skeleton now. Uh huh. Oh. Oh, but isn't there a part of that process where they lose all previous memory? Like he didn't know your former name. Like Tigger just probably thinks he's a number now, right? Yes. So, you know, I guess uh, I could ask what number he is, but he wouldn't know things like where I live or what his former name was. Well, we do extract that before uh, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we turn them into a skeleton. All right. So I'm going to be sending you another intern. Um, uh, you can expect, you <laughs> that would be great. That, that would be expect, great. You can expect their arrival tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And um after that, I'd, I hope you don't ask for another intern um, because otherwise this cycle is going to go for a long time and we don't have well, a bottomless uh, supply of interns. I mean, well, you can never have enough bones around. And uh, so uh, we would love as many interns as you can as you could give us. Like, okay, we'll, well, we'll take it. Madra and I, you and I might have to have a chat about our intern supply after this interview and maybe weigh out our options here with Elliot Baxter Fly. Um, I uh, own a pretty big device that looks a lot like an electric fly swatter that I've never actually been able to use. We actually um, don't allow uh, blunt objects or fly swatter specifically in the cave. Okay, well, so. all our interns are surgically attached to those. So Ooh. it's a new Ooh. policy. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to have to let HR call you. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, we'll send some paperwork back and forth, and I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of this. Imagine uh, we're never going to get to the bottom of this. We're never going to do that. No, no follow-up. No follow-up. Zero. Okay. Uh, well, up, anyway, uh, uh, it's <laughs> well, been, it was so, nice. It's so, so it nice, nice to see you. Is there yeah. anything that you would like to share with us, a last word of, of wisdom uh, before we um, definitely don't cut you off and uh, never contact you again? Uh, I would like to share the words of a song that I knew 
when I was uh, a boy. Uh, and it it goes hand in hand with what we've been learning today. Uh, and it's uh, spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down my spine. And that's all the words I know. I know at least more than well. That's <laughs> uh, true. Please, well... <laughs> everyone, subscribe to <laughs> Elliot Baxter Fly. No, subscribe to Monstrology. Subscribe to Monstrology. And uh, maybe a side hustle quest. Uh, give that some love as well. Um, I am going to uh, totally contact you sometime soon. Uh, Madrin, oh, I'll see you in two weeks for the next episode of Monstrology. Yeah. No, it cut it off. Help me! Help me! <laughs> cut. Monstrology is homegrown Canadian content, co-hosted by Will King and Madrin McCabe, edited and produced by Will King, and distributed on the Podbean platform. As a young hatchling podcast, it means a lot to us if you rate, review, and subscribe to Monstrology on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever your monsters are found. Mm-hmm.